thank all of you for being here. Here's a little bit of humor for you, hopefully just to make you smile. So the wife says, you pick dinner. Husband says, pizza. Wife says, no. Husband says, tacos. Wife says, no. Husband says, subs. Wife says, no. Husband says, what do you want? Wife says, it's up to you. You'd have to be married to get that, but if you're married, you got it. I'm going to talk to you today on this. Get over yourself. Now, this is fixing to be fun. This is fixing to be fun. Look at your neighbor and say, get over yourself. I need about 35 minutes of your time. Would you give me that? I'm going to talk to you out of my heart. Get over yourself. God's got bigger things in store for you. Father, we're here. We took some time to get ourselves dressed, our family ready. Took the time to get into our car and show up. Now that we're here, help us to be here. Now that we're here in our body, help us to be here in our mind. So, Lord, that we don't just hear a word, but that we receive a word. And that, Lord, you place it within our heart and our spirit so that we can be doers of the word. And Father, I pray, help me today to present this to your precious people. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody say amen. amen. You can be seated. This morning, I will tell you that my goal is to try to persuade you. I want to try to persuade you to lose your life instead of wasting your life. The Bible is very clear. All of us in this room and all of creation, we were made for the glory of God. I want you to look up on the screen. On the screen is Isaiah chapter 43, verses 6 and 7. It says, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, for what? <clears throat> whom I have created for my glory. This morning, I promise you, my goal is to not to make you feel less about yourself. My goal is to remind you that you were made by God and you were made for God. 
And if you don't understand that, then life will never make sense. Because you and I were made for the glory of God. So what does the word glory mean? Well, it's really kind of difficult to explain the definition in Hebrew. It's a difficult word. So I'm not going to attempt to do that. But what I want to try to do is to make a comparison. So if we use the word glorify and compare it to magnify, then you get a decent comparison. In other words, we are put upon the earth to magnify the greatness of who God really is. When you use the word magnify, I want you to think of a telescope, something that can be very small, but when you put it under a telescope, it magnifies it and you can see its real definition and its true meaning. For, for example, the Hubble telescope. The Hubble telescope is in space and what it does is it takes pictures of space and the stars and the galaxies and then it sends it back to earth and it reveals the billion star giants that they are. I want you to see some pictures and I'm going to take just a minute for you to see some of the pictures that the Hubble telescope has taken. Now, what you see on these particular screens is not as defined as what you would see on your own computer. Because what you see on your own computer is a little bit more defined and it just shows you the greatness of God. Because when you look from earth into the heavens, you see stars, but you don't get to see the real beauty of what the stars and the galaxies present. These are all pictures taken by the Hubble telescope from space. Your eye has never seen that, but that telescope magnifies what God puts there. And I gotta, I, I can spend a long time this morning going off in many directions, but there is a reason why that atheism doesn't want you to believe in God. Because if you believe in a creator and in a God, then that must mean you have a design and a purpose. And so it goes all the way back to God says, I want you to know that I am God. I am the creator of the heavens and the earth. And if I created the heavens and the earth, then I created you. And there is nothing greater that you can give yourself to than to give yourself to me. But if there is no God, then there's nothing greater than self. And the world wants you to think there is nothing greater than self because they want to abort the belief that there is a designer behind the earth and the universe. And they want you to think that there was just a big bang and it all showed up. I'm here to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. 
Everything you see this morning, from the clothes you have on to the pew you're sitting on, there was somebody that thought about it, imagined it, then designed it and produced it. We believe that for everything that we see, there is a designer, an architect, even behind this building. And yet the world wants us to believe that there is no architect or designer behind creation. And I want to tell you the world is trying to sell you a lie, but do not believe it. He is the creator. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. And God has created things that our human eye has never even seen. Because that's how great that he is. So here's why this is important. God created us to be like, give me your imagination. God created us to be like the Hubble telescope to live out our lives that magnify the greatness and the beauty of who he is in the earth. See, the enemy wants to make you think you're not important, that you don't have purpose, that you're really not that much. I'm here to tell you when you get the revelation that I am here not just to make a little bit of money, buy a few toys, get the gold watch, retire and die. But you have a grander and a greater purpose than that. You have a great purpose to be a reflection of God in the earth so that your love, your light, your radiance, who God is in you and through you makes the world want to come and see more of this God that you serve. My Lord, I could preach this morning on how God wanted Israel to be a reconstructed Eden. He wanted them to be the blessed, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Not so they could get the big head, but so that the world could see that Israel's God was God. That God wanted to bless them, not just so that they could be blessed, but they could show the world who the blesser truly is. See, many people see God as angry. He's angry. God is an angry God. He's an unkind God. He's always mad. He's always out to get you. But that is simply not the God that we serve. God's nature is love. God's nature is the fruit of the Spirit. God is kind. He is compassionate. In fact, the New Testament tells us that he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Because Jesus was the incarnate God. And Jesus, as the only begotten son, wanted his father to receive all the glory for his works upon the earth. So he went about doing good, not so that he could be exalted, but that his father that was in him could be exalted. Because they would say, if this God can heal a leper, then he is God. If this God can call fire, down from heaven then he is God because God wants to be magnified in our lives but many people see God as angry see him as unkind they see him as hard to please but God created all of us in this room so that we can make him look like who he really is This is why people say, well, if God is like that Christian, I don't want any part of it. That's a sad epitaph for a Christian. When people look at us, it ought to draw them closer to God. 
If that's the way people love one another, I want to be a part of God. If that's the way that church responds and lifts up and builds up one another, then I want to be a part of that. Because God is not judgmental, ladies and gentlemen. God is not condemning. He did not come into the world to condemn the world. He come into the world to love the world. See, this is what it means for us to be made in the image of God. When, 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 and when Genesis says we were created in the image of God, that's a big deal. Why is that a big deal? Because we are meant to be his image in the world of what he's really like. Have you ever heard somebody say, I just like being around that person. I don't know why I just like being around them. I can tell you it's probably because they got God in them. But see, but many people don't feel loved when they are told that God created them for his glory. What, what do you mean, Pastor, God created me for his glory? Then, then I just feel used. If that's all God created me for was his glory, then I don't know that that makes me feel really good. For most people in America, please hear me. Love means increasing someone's self-esteem. For most people in America, love means helping someone feel really good about themselves. For most people in America, love is giving someone a mirror and helping them to like what they see. Oh, you're really beautiful. Oh, you're really handsome. Man, you're really smart. Boy, you're such a great lady. You're an incredible man. And that's what America thinks that love really is. Love builds up your self-esteem. Love makes you feel better about yourself. This is not what the Bible means by love. The love of God doesn't necessarily make you feel better about yourself. In the Bible, Love means doing what is best for someone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The best that God could give you is not a mirror. The best that God could give you is his son. And his son came so that you could get over yourself. Because if you don't get over yourself, you'll drive yourself looking for happiness in all the wrong places. Can I get a witness? God gave us the best and that was his son, Jesus Christ. So making self the object of our highest affection is not what is best for us. I'm going to say that again. Making self the object of our highest affection is not what is best for us. Here's what that means. To make people feel good about themselves when we are to make them feel good about God is like taking someone to the Alps and putting them in a room full of mirrors. I want, again, this is a distorted picture, but this is a picture of the Alps. And it's absolutely beautiful. Have you ever just seen God's beautiful handiwork in nature and thought, my, what an awesome God. 
It would be like taking a person to the most beautiful place you've ever seen and then just putting them in a room full of mirrors. That's the Grand Canyon. Going and seeing the Grand Canyon and stepping out on its balcony and looking at the grandeur of the Grand Canyon and then contemplating your own greatness means you have a mental disease. I don't know if this is true, but I heard it's true. A little 14-year-old went out to that glass balcony at the Grand Canyon, smacking her gum. Just a big hole in the ground. Yeah, right. That's what you get when you're 14. Just a big hole in the ground. Ladies and gentlemen, that's more than just a big hole in the ground. You're looking at the beautiful handiwork of Almighty God. When you look at the stars... In, in through Hubble telescope and you see the magnificent formations and galaxies and universes and the brightness of the colors. That's more than just a big bang. That is the greatness of God's creation. And God made you and designed you not for yourself. He made you and designed you to show forth his great glory. And the more we see the greatness of God, the more we ought to be in awe of God. The reason why people don't worship anymore is because they're in a room full of mirrors. Wait till I walk up in there. They're going to see some beauty. Wait till I show up. Then they're going to see my talents. And it's like you're at the Alps, but you're in a room full of mirrors because all you can see and all life has told you is that you got to feel better about yourself. And God says, I got something bigger for you than a room full of mirrors. I got a purpose and a design and a plan for you that you would radiate my glory in the earth. So now some people ask the question, why would God have bothered to create a small speck called earth and humanity and then get involved with us? The comparison, ladies and gentlemen, between us and the universe is an example. Us and the universe is a comparison between us and God. When you look at the universe and the galaxies and the pictures you can see on the internet of the greatness of God, it kind of makes you feel small. But that was never God's intention. God's point is never to make you feel like nothing. God's point is so that you would be in awe of who he is and that he wants to be in relationship with you. The awe is a God that is still the earth, the Bible says. The earth will always know the glory of God. In other words, the galaxies are continuing to form because of his greatness. There shall never be an end. And what God is wanting you to see is not the little speck you are, but he loves you so much that he came down from heaven's throne to earth's cross, to get involved with you, to let you and I know that we are the object of his affection. 
Showing God's love is showing people the life-given beauty of God, especially his grace. When you show someone grace and mercy, you are showing the love of God. How are people going to see God in the earth until you get a revelation of why I am here is not so I can live in a house full of mirrors and and admire my talent, my beauty, my abilities, and my gifts, but rather it is here, I'm here so that I can admire who he is and so that others can see the love of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, that God would love someone like me enough to take me from where I was. This is what Jesus meant. Are you with me? This is what Jesus meant when he said in Matthew 5 and 16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And do what? Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I've said this before and I'm going to keep saying it. Good works do not save you, but you are saved for good works. I'm going to say it again. Good works do not save you, but you are saved for good works. What does that mean? God wants you to love people. God, that means that every time, ladies and gentlemen, you give some food away in the name of Christ, that's a good work. Every time you give shelter away or clothes away or you give somebody something monetarily to bless them, you help them in any way that you can. You go to the prison. You visit them when they're sick. You go to a hospital. You pray for them. You know what that is? That is the good works that Christ wants to do in your life so that God may be magnified and so that people can say, if God is anything like sister so-and-so, I might be interested in that. You're so much more important than what you think you are. I am telling you, when God brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light, he had a plan for you that's greater than just coming on a Sunday morning and sitting and soaking and hearing a sermon. But God wants you to be him in the earth and a reflection of his grace and his glory in your life. Why? Because God's love is what we all need the most. Having everything else without him, having everything else without him means we all perish in the end. If you believe the word of the Lord, here's what Mark 8 and 34 says. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his very soul? If people are not pointed to a relationship with Jesus Christ, we really don't love them. We waste our life. I am here to persuade every sweet person under the sound of my voice. I am here this morning to persuade you to lose your life. Don't waste your life. To lose your life for something that is bigger than yourself. It's bigger than your house and your car and a paycheck. This is about God and his glory and all of eternity. And you being a reflection in the earth of who he is. Here's something for us to think about. What Hollywood gives all of us on TV is that heaven is just us in white robes with white harps on white clouds. And I'm 
here to ask the question. Here's the question. Is eternal life a heaven full of mirrors? I'm going to ask it again. Is eternal life a heaven full of mirrors? Is eternal life boats? Is eternal life golf courses? Is eternal life snowboards and snow skis? Is eternal life just beautiful women? What's eternal life? Do you know what Jesus told us? Here's John 17 and 3. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life, ladies and gentlemen, is not a room full of mirrors. Eternal life is to know the eternal God. Nothing. No thing. No thing can satisfy the soul. What is addictions? Addictions is the hopelessness of people. All addictions form because of hopelessness. Why? Because they try this and it satisfies them for a minute and they go back to trying again, but it doesn't give them the same thrill as it did the first time. Now they have to up the dose to try to get the same buzz, the same high, the same thrill, because no thing, no thing, no thing outside of yourself will ever satisfy you. That's why addictions start, because they're looking for something to satisfy. It did once, but it can't do it again, and it can't do it the third time, but they keep looking for that same high, that same buzz, that same elevation, and eventually they get addicted to what will never be again. And ladies and gentlemen, I am just here to remind you that only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can take your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. The soul was made to stand in awe of a person. I know that we say this is truth, and it is But truth is just more than a Bible. Truth is a person. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want life? Get Jesus. You want to know the way? Get Jesus. You want to satisfy the longing in your soul? Get Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. That's why the soul was made to stand in awe of a person. I need your attention now. Did you know, did you know that superhero movies earn a large portion of the $26 billion movie market? Avengers, Iron Man, Batman, all of 
the superhero movies. I read earns almost over 45% of the movie industry. Now, why are you telling us this in the message? Because heroes are just a shadow of Christ. We were made to worship something, ladies and gentlemen. And whatever skill, talent, super ability, brilliance, and goodness that superheroes possess, God is greater. But listen, this is why people worship rock stars because people are going to worship something. They worship movie stars because people are going to worship something. They worship athletic stars because we were designed to worship. And when we do not stand in awe of a great big God, then we'll worship money and we'll worship a boat and we'll worship somebody we've never even met. Because we were designed to worship. And the reason why you and I came in here this morning, and yes, I'm not getting on to you, but our worship was very muted today, is because we don't stand in awe of a great big God. And we don't really see the majestic power of an awesome God. So we think that he's good enough to deserve a hand clap. But really... The question is, what have you done for me lately? Come on, somebody. I'm not getting on to you. I'm trying to bring revelation. I'm trying to bring revelation to this house. You and I need to get over ourselves. You're only going to matter when you get into a cause greater than yourself. See, we all need something bigger than ourselves to wake ourselves up, to get involved with that is bigger than us. Because if something is not bigger than us, then we give ourselves to the small elements of the world. Looking, looking and longing for happiness. God loves us. He loves us. He loves us so much, he liberated us from the bondage of self. God loves us so much that he liberated us from the bondage of self. I said he loves us so much that he liberates us from a house full of mirrors to make us think that we're the greatest thing that ever walked. When you get your eye on Jesus, you're going to realize he's the star of the show. He was the star of the show in Genesis 1 and 1, and he's the star of the show in Revelation. He'll always be the star. And what he wants us to do is tie ourselves to him and his purpose so that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. Here's what the psalmist says. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. If the Bible's true, and if that verse is true, then love must rescue us from our addiction to self and bring us changed into the presence of Almighty God. 
I want to try to persuade everyone under the sound of my voice. I want to do my best to persuade you. Lose your life, but don't waste your life. The world's distortion of love is a house full of mirrors. Think better of yourself. Look deep within yourself and see all of your gifts, your beauty. That's what the world's distorted image is of love. It's a house full of mirrors. And the king and queen is self. So let me ask you a question. Would you feel more loved by God if he made a bigger deal about you? Or if he liberated you from yourself so that you could enjoy making a big deal about him forever? Please get this next statement and I hope it comes on the screen. It's not original with me, but I love it. Here it is. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. The only thing that you need to fear is God. Because when you fear God, you don't need to fear anything else. When you get how big and how great God is and you hitch your wagon to his star, I'm telling you it's going to make a difference in your life. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And anyone else who exalts himself distracts us from that which we need most, namely God. I cannot get into this, but why do you think God kicked Lucifer out? Because it was pride. He wanted to exalt himself. And God knew, Lucifer, you're not God. I am. And if people follow you, they're going to follow you to destruction. But if they follow me, they're going to follow me to eternal life. The reason why God is jealous, and I'll say it and keep on saying it, the reason why your God is a jealous God is not because he's jealous in the sense of we think jealous. He's jealous because he knows the best thing for you is him. And if you give yourself to anything else trying to find happiness and satisfaction, it'll become addiction in your life. And a hundred dollars is now a thousand. And a thousand is ten thousand. And ten thousand becomes a million. And a million becomes a billion. And I have heard of a man who knows 25 billionaires. And he said he told them that even a billion isn't enough. Why? Because it's never enough. Today, my whole goal and my whole aim is to try to persuade you to lose your life, but do not waste your life. I am wanting to now close and wrap this up. Here's an illustration that I wanted to give you. If a great painting, a great painting could talk and you walked into this beautiful art gallery And you kept your head down as you're walking through the gallery with all of these great famous pictures of art. And all of a sudden, miraculously, the paintings could start speaking out and they could start saying, look, 
Look up. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. And then when you see us, you get excited. You get excited about the beauty of the painting. You get excited about the, the, the beauty of, of what you see. And, and then you get excited with the people that are around you. And now your joy is full because you see the beauty. You would not complain that the paintings should have kept quiet. Rather, you would be thankful that they rescued you from wasting your visit. I want that to soak just a minute. When God says, give me your life, give me your life, give me your life, he's trying to rescue you from wasting your visit. Jesus said in Matthew 8 and 35, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. What is Jesus saying, friends? He is telling us this, that whoever lives a self-centered life is focused on this world and they're not going to find eternal life. But the next thing he's telling us is whoever gives up the self-centered life for the sake of Christ and the gospel will find everlasting life. And what I am unashamedly trying to do is to persuade everyone under the sound of my voice to lose your life. Don't waste your life. You may not be sure this morning that you're, you, you really want your life to make much of a difference. Maybe you don't care whether you make a lasting difference for the sake of something great. You just want people to like you. You just want to have a, you know, a good wife or a good husband. You want to have some good kids. You want to have some long weekends. You want to have a fun retirement. You want to have a quick, easy death and no hell. And if you had all that, you'd just be happy. You'd be satisfied. I'm going to tell you what tragedy is. Here's what tragedy is. This was a story in Reader's Digest. So there was a couple. They had an early retirement. He was uh, 59. She was 51. And they're touting this in, in Reader's Digest as basically the American dream. This couple didn't have to wait till they were 65 or 70 to retire. 59, he retired at 51. She retired. They bought a 30-foot boat. They played softball and they collected shells and they wrote this article about supposedly this is a great life. This is the American dream. Bought a 30 foot boat, played softball and collected shells. I'm not trying to be dramatic this morning. Promise you I'm not. I'm only trying to get you to think. Picture this couple before Christ at the great day of judgment. Look, Lord, here's my shells. Look, Lord, here's this softball signed by the team. Look, Lord, here's a picture of my 30-foot boat. 
I'm not trying to be melodramatic, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to get all of us to think. How impressed do you think God's going to be at the great white throne judgment? When this couple who is supposedly living the American dream present him with shells, softballs, and a boat. And all of TV and all of social media and everything around you in our culture is spending billions Billions of dollars to try to make you buy into the American dream is what you give your life for. And I am here unashamedly to tell you that I personally am trying to persuade you to lose your life instead of wasting your life. I plead with every one of you now that I'm 55 and I'm reflecting, if I could go back 30 years, oh dear God, what I'd do different. I'd forget myself. And I would give my entire life in service to others. And do my best to be a reflection of a God that loves and cares and has compassion and wants to heal broken people. I promise you if I could, I'd go back 30 years. And I wouldn't live my life for my stinking self. I'd live my entire life for others. I am not saying, I am not saying that all of you need to quit your job and go into full-time ministry. You're not called for that. What I am saying is all of us are ministers not all of us are pastors and when we walk on our job and walk into our neighborhoods we ought to show forth the glory the grace the light the love the goodness of an almighty God would you stand with me and if you receive this word would you clap your hands as unto the Lord right now I'm going to tell you right now, when I get to heaven, I don't want to present myself. I don't want to present shells. I don't want to present some trophies that I won in softball. I don't want to present God a boat. I want to present God a life that was lived for something bigger than myself. I say it with all the love in my heart all the kindness in my spirit, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Stop making such a big deal when somebody steps on your toe. It's not about you. It's not about your achievements, your career. It's not even about your family. Because when you seek Him first, He'll add all of these other things to you. He wants to bless you. Yes, he does. He wants you to be the head and not the tail, but he don't want to bless you to get the big head. He wants to bless you so you turn around and you be a blessing so that people can see, oh, this is what God looks like. This is what God looks like. I don't want to present shells to Christ. I want to present souls. I want to present souls.
from the depths of my innermost being. I'm speaking in the spirit to this church. And I am pleading with every one of you, especially you young people that's just graduated. I am pleading with you, please do not live in a house of mirrors. Get over yourself so that you don't lose your life thinking that if I make a million bucks, I'm going to be somebody. Mm. Would you now, I've been talking for 43 minutes. Would you take over and start talking to the Lord right where you're standing? Would you open your mouth and would you ask God to help you to get a revelation of His greatness, of His grandeur, of your purpose.